0: Hello and welcome back to Encounters with God, a series of podcasts from Seven Vineyard where we are going through the Old Testament and we're meeting characters and looking at stories that show us things about God and things about ourselves and we're wondering how those can fit together. My name is Bern Lecky, and I'm joined today by Dan Green. Hi Dan. Hello Bern. Dan you have just Given us the most spectacularly produced uh, talk, I think we've had uh, possi- <laughs> possibly in my in, in my lifetime of remembering Sunday morning. And I've been to Hillsong. Wow, that's quite a compliment, then. Um, but you can. You might you, want
1: to. You might want to explain what you mean in case people I've, weren't there.
0: I've literally never ever uh, seen a a, a preacher. I've, I hope you don't mind. To call you a preacher because you were because you know. Standard term for so you don't sound preachy at all, Dan. I I try not to. You don't sound, but but someone in that role of doing the talk, you had your points, you had it, you didn't have the screens and the and the technology, but you brought the singing. You absolutely, it's several numbers you brought, and you led the (laughs) the congregation without a band in 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 a mute and an entirely unlicensed. Unauthorized musical production of Joseph and his, I guess we have to call it something else, don't we? His really nice coat. Yes, his um, multicolored. <laughs> would that be okay? I, I guess, yeah. As long as we don't confuse it with anyone else's musicals that we didn't have the rights for, uh,
1: I, I would say yes. Indeed. I don't think there's a lot of danger uh, with it being mixed up, Burn, because <laughs> I, I made sure I sang off key. Let's just say there were songs that some members of the congregation recognized and Mm. I I, I was I was fairly happy with the response um you know when I introduced some of those songs and got a little bit back from those listening I enjoyed that very much
0: I I would have been delighted to get half of what you had I would have been (laughs) thrilled um yes I don't know if people would have even known who I was singing about, if it was me, but um, no, you did it very well. So we went through the story of Joseph. What are the things? What are the famous things that you think that someone who's not really read the Bible or or heard your talk yet, even? Uh, what do you think are the uh, are the things that that most people might know already about Joseph and his story?
1: Well, I think because of the popularity of a musical. Uh, Quite a few people would be familiar with that multicolored coat, uh, possibly with some of the drama of the story. Um, So, you know, it is an absolutely incredible tale. Uh, I think it has lows that are as low as you can go without dying or being killed. Uh, Joseph ends up in a prison cell in a foreign land on his own. How did he get there? Sold by his brothers to make it worse. He's (gasps) sold into slavery by his... Well, because he's insufferable as a brother (laughs) and keeps telling them about these dreams that he's had, uh, that he's going to be kind of lifted up above the rest Mm. of the family. And I think, you know, any sibling would find that mildly annoying at the least. Um, Mm. But, yeah, it seems that he kind of repeated... Those and he was he was only a teenager, so I kind of like to put that down to naivety, maybe. But um, either way, it landed him in a pretty bad spot, um, being sold off, and uh, becoming a slave, and then from slavery, being wrongfully accused of rape and sent to prison, languishing in a jail um, until eventually this remarkable turn of events led to him standing before the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, and having the unenviable job of interpreting his dream, which fortunately for him, God helped him to do. And that then led him into a position of uh, high importance across the land of Egypt and an incredible story of redemption and restoration with his family. And I mean, I think it's got to be top five stories in the Bible. it got to be. Ooh. I mean, can you tell me any others that have lows that low and highs that high? Um, I think I think it's got to be right up there.
0: My, my hand is up. I have a Sunday on, school answer to this question. <laughs> I don't want your Sunday school so answer. my Sunday school answer is
1: <laughs> Jesus! Okay, I'll give you one. I'll give you one that can top Joseph, but... <laughs>
0: I have another one actually. Actually, I have another one which I am working on, doing a talk from in about a month's time. Oh yeah, you going to um, do a big reveal? I'm going to talk about Daniel and there are several parallels, I would say, several things that the story of Daniel has in common. I can think it's, of a couple uh, just off the top
1: of my head. One involving a pit. I guess they both end up in
0: There's there's pits, there's dreams, there's, there's powerful rulers, there's there's exile. There's, stuff going on yeah absolutely but but there are some important differences in the way that Daniel handles it all and I think
1: you're not going to tell me there's that a point he therefore a... trumps Joseph
0: well uh, well I don't know you see um let's talk about Daniel later because let's talk about Joseph for now and look at the things that really impressed you about his story what do you think is important about Joseph's famous story, not just entertaining to watch as a drama, but why why do you think this story is important for us? Why does it resonate with life for us today?
1: I think it resonates because um, it's a very human story. And although our challenges and our struggles might look very different to Joseph's did, I hope so, for everybody listening, that we're not in some of the same circumstances as he was Hmm. But I think we can take from his life and his responses to those challenges some some very clear inspiration, some very clear lessons. So I think for me, the things that really stood out were um, his perseverance and particularly in his faith in God, that he went through some truly horrendous stuff um, with human trafficking, with slavery, with false accusation, with time in jail And yet, when he comes to stand before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, I've heard you can interpret dreams, can you interpret mine? He says, I cannot, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Mm. So he's come out of that challenge, out of that trial in a way, with some of his faith intact. And we don't know the detail of what that looked like and what his, you know, prayer life in jail looked like, for example, but. I think um, his his perseverance and holding on to God is something that we can all be inspired by. Um, And then uh, I think that same statement before Pharaoh, that it was going to be God who would help him and not Joseph also spoke Mm. to me at least about courage and particularly courage to speak up and to identify our faith um, and, you know none of us i think are going to be standing before uh, the equivalent of pharaoh today but i think we're all in situations in the society and the culture that we're in where we have those moments where we could mention god we could credit god with things that are, mm-hmm. are happening in our lives and we have those decisions should i or shouldn't i could it yes. be misunderstood could it be misinterpreted um and all of that would have been true for Joseph. This was his chance. This was his moment to get out of jail, but <laughs> I think he chose to to give God the credit.
0: Tell us about God from from his point of view, from like from Pharaoh's point of view. When a guy, when a Hebrew guy shows up and says God, what what does what would how would Pharaoh have heard that?
1: Well, I think he would have heard it as a direct challenge to himself because my understanding was that Pharaoh was a godlike figure um, mm. in Egypt and that he had the power that he had because people attributed to him aspects of divinity. Mm. Um, although I don't think Egyptian religion revolved around one deity, but mm. I think there was nevertheless that kind of attribute. So to question Pharaoh or to speak of another God in front of him, I think took took courage mm. and and uh you know his knees may have been knocking slightly as he said that but he obviously <laughs> felt that that was the right thing to do
0: so it wasn't just uh god says this is god that we might all recognize or may or may not believe in but it was a it was a uh, my god my foreign god <laughs> my god who doesn't fit anywhere into your system of gods yeah Let's let's go into this a bit because I think this does feel resonant to me about like like in office life or work life or you know just times when we are chatting generally with people who may or may not share our beliefs and to and to them we're talking nonsense or we're talking about you know someone else's idea of 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 how the world works but not really theirs. How often do you find yourself crediting God or you know, saying you know, that you prayed about something and you think you might have an answer that might have been answered or something like that.
1: How does that work for you? Um, I think it's trying to be as natural as possible about it and not force God into things, yeah. or into conversations where um, it it feels awkward or odd. But at the same time, um, I do think it's important to speak of our faith and... I think for me, things that are good in my life, things that I've enjoyed or things that have come together in some way, those are the opportunities uh, or the little choices, I think, of whether I include God in the conversation or not. So I might have, um, I don't know, had a great time away or um, enjoyed a nice walk or felt a sense of peace while reading or praying, that kind of thing. And uh, I think as as those come up in conversation with people, um, I think those are the opportunities to refer to God. But I also think as we seek to be natural about it, that doesn't mean being unaware of how other people may hear things. Um, and it's that kind of 101 of communication, isn't it? That it's not just what the speaker says, but it's what the listener hears. I think being very aware of, jargon and christianese uh, that friends and neighbors may not use or may not be familiar with that might make us sound weird so being careful with language thinking about what we say but also not trying to make it a really big deal
0: yes i understand um just now my son came home from school and he showed me this massive big plaster on his uh on his knee on his leg and um and I guess I think I was probably mindful of this when when I, I looked and I could have said, oh, it's a good job your body's good at healing itself. Uh, but I think maybe with the crediting God in mind, I just chose to put it slightly differently. It said, oh, I'm glad God made us really well
1: and we're good at healing. Uh, exactly, yeah. Great example. I think it's those choices, isn't it? I think it comes down to discernment. And I guess that's where, thankfully, we have – some help from the Holy Spirit to prompt us and, um, you know, give us the words to say.
0: Sure. Do you, do you ever find it's appropriate to talk about prayer uh, outside of a, a faith-based uh, workplace?
1: Yes, because I think it's interesting how different people make decisions in their lives, how they approach challenge in their lives, and, um, I was listening to a podcast recently about happiness, and it was fantastic uh insight into you know some of the keys to um to happiness and the choices we have on how we respond to difficulty, et cetera. But what struck me was in that particular discussion, you know God wasn't part of the conversation, and so it was about choices to respond with positivity or to let go of things that are outside your control. And I guess for me, adding in prayer would just be part of how I would respond to some of the same things because giving things over to God in prayer is one of the ways in which I think we are able, as followers of Jesus, to let go of some of those things that are outside of our control.
0: Yeah, it strikes me there's a lot that isn't said in some of the stories, um, like Joseph's story, but I'm guessing I want to have a wild guest in Joseph's case. he probably prayed quite a bit <laughs> like uh, he he probably felt close to God or felt that God was close to him I mean he certainly you know was able to. Uh, he credited his dreams to god didn't he i guess he must have also followed that up with a bit of what's this about or, or some kind of learning about practicing being in god's presence i guess and sharing some thoughts or trying to listen to god or however he felt that worked
1: Do you, would you assume that? i think i assume that too and there's a little verse that really caught my attention uh where it says that the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed kindness to him. Mm. And it made me wonder what that involved. Yeah. You know, How did Joseph experience God's kindness? Well, there's a few clues because he kind of gains favor with the guards and he gets given responsibility for things. So perhaps through that, um, he experienced God's kindness. But I like to think too that he just had a sense of God's Presence with him that he knew that he wasn't alone or abandoned, Mm. um, despite being in very difficult circumstances. Mm. Mm.
0: Sometimes I find difficult circumstances are the things that I feel prompt me to seek God's presence and to be aware of God's presence. You know, difficult circumstances may be like if we're in debt or if we're, um, you know, struggling to get, get. make something happen that we would love to happen or if we know someone is very ill or something like that um is that the same with you or have you got any tips for how we can kind of make that even more of a presence uh not just when things are going really
1: badly uh it is true for me unfortunately i too have that tendency to call out to god or to acknowledge my need for him when things are tough rather than when things are easy uh but i i I think it must just be about trying to keep the habit. So when circumstances do change and when things are going a bit better or a bit easier, not losing the habit of still looking to God. um, Mm. And maybe that's linked with that point about crediting him, you know, crediting him before other people, but I guess also just in our own minds of how we see life, um, the importance of gratitude and that kind of practice that habit of being grateful for things
0: yeah yeah i agree i'm just thinking back to joseph how actually at the beginning of the story there was nothing wrong from his point of view like he was he was his like the most loved son he had the nicest coat uh he they had no awareness of, of difficulties that would be coming up yet um joseph had this sort of closeness to God that manifested in in dreams and I wonder I wonder for us whether like even in the times when it's going really well can God speak to us through have you has God ever spoken to you do you think in a dream or, or given you a, a, a picture of things like going well or things that might go differently in the future
1: I don't think through dreams particularly although I know Friends who who have felt God speak in that way. I think for me, uh, yes, through pictures and images of uh, what God may have in store or what might lay ahead in the future, and a sense of hope and expectation that that can give. Mm. Um, so, I think hope is one of the key themes uh, that I see mm. in Joseph actually, and the fact that his story didn't end in the prison or in slavery uh, or with false accusation, but that God turned it around. Mm. When I read that, when I read it again last week, you almost can't help to take some hope from that of Mm. if God can turn that around and do something incredible with that life, then there's hope for me too. There's hope for all of us hope's very important
0: i think and 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 i do find that hope is a thing that comes out of prayer um particularly when we've got the courage to pray for things uh you know that sound like a bit of an ask um i i remember um this was 2002 i was in yeah, actually I was at hillsong at the time this was this was, I was literally at hillsong in australia and um i heard the news that my that something big was was happening uh, with my employers back home, and there was a very good chance that that loads and lo- there were going to be loads and loads of redundancies, and I was suddenly quite worried because I was not at the place, and 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 I was thinking, oh, maybe they, you know, I've been away for three weeks, maybe they've realised they will realize they do not need me, oh. and I was and I was literally just worried about that. Yeah, and, I, and 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 I thought, well, you know, I mean, this in the presence of a bunch of people who want to be in the presence of God, and this is much bigger than my job. I love my job, but this is this is bigger than that. But I'm going to ask God for something really specific. I'm just going to say, God, God, could, would you, if it's if it's where you want me to be, could you, would you reassure me that I'm going to be there in a year's time? Just say a year's time, and and I don't i don't think i've very often prayed like that but i had this sense of god really wanting to reassure me at that point that this time next year i would be there at my employers like, okay great and that seemed like a you know a reasonably big deal at the time but i didn't know why and the reason and, and i think one reason why it was a really big deal was that on the plane back i had a blood clot oh wow and i ended up in hospital um really really bad really bad one night because um, the blood clot moved up from my legs to my lungs and one of my lungs collapsed and uh, I was a feverish and all over the place because cause bacterial infection that set in and I was getting pneumonia and Um, so I was basically there in A&E attached to a thing that was going beep beep (laughs) and not knowing I got seen to very quickly (laughs) but what kept going through my mind as I was sort of in the worst bits and starting to recover was I remember God said I'd still be doing my job in a year's time (laughs) so I know I'm going to recover from this I absolutely I could tell anyone I am definitely going to recover from this because God said I'd still be doing my job in a year's
1: time well so yeah, uh took it to the That's bank. amazing. What a great example of <laughs> hope. <laughs> because objectively you could look at it and say, you don't have any evidence, any proof, but yet you had a sense of hope that God had given you based on that word. So yeah, brilliant.
0: And also coming from that hope, gained <laughs> the courage uh to to ask Helen to marry me <laughs> and and we got married. <laughs> That's not and a bad outcome. About it, yeah, and I think within that year, uh, we'd gone through the whole, the whole thing of me being super ill, uh, then then recovering, then getting married, and then still being in my job. And of all those things, the job now looks like the least significant thing to have held on to. Uh, but the hope was really important and made it made a made a massive difference. So, yeah, I, and
1: I I wonder just tying that back to Joseph whether. Those dreams he'd had at the beginning of the story where he basically saw a, a role of importance and power uh, that God would give him, whether that sustained him, whether that hope kept him going, you know, in mm. those low moments in jail, did he look back on that? Did he, did he think, did I just make that all up? Was that a terrible mistake? Mm. Or did, it, did he hold on to that sense of, I know God is going to turn this around. I don't know how, but I'm putting my hope. That I've had those dreams. Somehow, my God is going to bring that about. Maybe mm. uh, you know, that's a, yeah. a nice thought.
0: It is, isn't it? Yeah, and I think those dreams also point to something else that we can only really get from God, and not just by pumping ourselves up with positivity and trying to look, you know see the best in everything. I think, I think it's uniquely through connection with God that we can be part of a much, much, much bigger picture than ourselves. Right, so. So Joseph was was seeing not just like where he would be, but where really big things could happen, and that set his expectation for dealing with other people. And 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 one of the bits of the story that I find really interesting in Joseph's story is how he he expects the people that he helps in prison to be really helpful back to him, but there's a twist. <laughs> what what did, what happened? What, what, well,
1: what, one of them. Died because the dream, uh, the meaning of the dream was that he was going to be killed, and sure enough, that's what happened. Hmm. And the other one just forgot. As far as we can <laughs> tell, he had an agreement with Joseph that he'd uh, speak to Pharaoh about him and try and have him released, but maybe, uh, maybe he just got distracted. Maybe he was too afraid. We don't know, but he basically didn't fulfil on that. So Joseph had another two years in jail until his opportunity came
0: so because the guy remembered that the guy that had forgot then remembered i remember you said in your talk that this was a this was a good thing for us to to think about too. having that um that courage to speak up for others mm. how that how should that how can that
1: work i think with the cupbearer, he remembered that he had benefited from uh, Joseph's ability to interpret dreams from from his gift. And uh, one of my challenges to people uh, on Sunday was to think about ways that we can advocate for and speak up for others. And I linked it specifically with uh, the theme of Refugee Sunday, uh, which was uh, at the end of Refugee Week last week, because I meet all kinds of people in our city um, from refugee, asylum-seeking, migrant backgrounds with the most wonderful gifts, most brilliant skills. And we're not always very good at recognizing that or at providing ways for people to thrive and use those gifts. So hearing the way that the cupbearer you know, in the simplest way, by speaking to the right person, in this case, it was Pharaoh, and saying, I knew a Hebrew guy who could interpret dreams. I wonder whether, um, you know, those of us who have jobs, who have roles, who have even positions of power, however limited that is, need to be thinking about ways in which we can facilitate, enable, release, the giftings of others. And that could be refugees and asylum seekers, but it could be all kinds of other people too. Mm. Um, I think I just liked that thought from the cupbearer and his role in the story that his key role was to mm. say, I know this guy and he can do this.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, I'm just thinking, like in our situation, it feels like it could be quite a big ask for people. Like for people we know, especially it, like it, who financially hard up and prices going up all the time, wages aren't going up as fast you know some some businesses probably going out of business because they can't afford to carry on all that sort of thing, we feel the pressure on us, so doesn't that make it really difficult then to speak up for other people to have opportunities and you I can see why it flips for for some people going well, those people shouldn't be here because we need to look after ourselves. Blah, blah, blah. Now, whatever we think about that politically, um, let's imagine, like, you know, from our times of crisis and we felt that we've really needed to look after ourselves and our families, what what can we still do? What, what are some good things that we could still do to support others and, and, and create opportunities for others?
1: I think some of that thinking is probably based around fear or insecurity that there isn't enough, that if somebody else benefits that I won't, et cetera. Um, And I think this happens in Bristol quite a bit where we live in bubbles. We live in areas of the city or in different social classes or levels of education or whatever. And there isn't always that much communication interaction between us Um, so I think getting to know people from outside our bubble is a great start because then we can see the world through their lens. We can hopefully step into their shoes a little bit. And, um, I think there's something too about kingdom generosity or the kind of open generosity and open heartedness that hopefully Jesus inspires in us. You know, because he was willing to give sacrificially Mm. uh, that we could thrive isn't part of us trying to follow his example, maybe to do the same. So even if it does cost me something, even if it does mean perhaps me receiving a bit less or living a little less comfortably, then that doesn't necessarily mean we shouldn't consider it. So, an example at the moment would be Ukrainian refugees coming to Bristol and staying with host families. Now, that's not a small deal for host families to take somebody in, to commit for six months, uh, to not know what's going to happen at the end of that. And, you know, particularly when people are coming from a war situation and possibly bringing the trauma of that with them, uh, it's quite a big ask. And yet, I think you've got to weigh that up against the fact that there are people who simply need safety, who, uh, whose lives have been turned upside down, who need somebody to do what we would all hope others would do for us, which would be to, to take us in, to give us um, a helping hand. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's an easy answer, but I think it's something we should be asking around what are we willing to to give up ourselves what are we willing to um to risk in order that somebody else can thrive thank you dan thank you
0: for listening if you'd like to get in touch and have a chat about this as well just send us an email we'll look at having some more chats about how this is all going over the next few weeks and we'll see you again next week